Welcome to Pentecostal Sermons brought to you by Power of the Cross Radio. We are honored that you could join us. You are about to hear a sermon from Brother Larson of Sun Life Broadcasting Ministry. These recordings are from a three-day revival held at the Lighthouse Church in Grenada, Mississippi. We know you are going to be blessed. Now, on to the message. Galatians chapter 5, have you found it? Just two verses tonight. We'll look at Galatians 5, 13 and 14. Galatians 5, 13 and 14. Paul writing to the churches in the Galatia region. For brethren, you have been called unto liberty. Only use not liberty for an occasion or an indulgence of the flesh. But by love, serve one another. If we're truly understanding the message of the cross and we're being formed into the image of Christ, there is an end result. The message of the cross, well, I'll get into it a little bit more. By love, serve one another for all the law is fulfilled in one word, even in this, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. And I want to minister a message to you tonight that I think this message, its time has come, and that is simply, with liberty comes responsibility. With liberty comes responsibility. I suppose we can all remember, um, those of us that are adults, thinking about what it would be like when we finally got out of mom and dad's house. Man, won't that be great? Nobody would tell me when I have to go to bed, and nobody would tell me to do the chores, and man, I can stay out and stay up as late as I want to, and nobody will control me anymore. I'll have freedom to do whatever I'd like. And that day finally came, and sure enough, you were able to go about and do just about anything that you were big enough to do, go where you wanted to. But all of a sudden, you began to realize that no one else was taking out the trash, and no one else was making your bed, and no one was paying the bills. And All of a sudden, mom's house looked pretty good. In fact, we showed up there a few times with loads of laundry we didn't do with all of our liberty. Can I get an amen? Amen. But with liberty comes responsibility. I want to minister that to you tonight. Father, we ask you in the name of Jesus to move upon us tonight by the power of the Holy Spirit. Open up the word tonight to us. And help us to understand and help us to grasp that with revelation comes great responsibility. And Lord, that you open up our hearts and our minds for a purpose, for an end game. Help us to see what it is that you desired when you gave us revelation, when you gave us insight, when you gave us freedom and liberty. And Father, give us the hearts and minds of men. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. It has been, and it can't be, but it is, it has been 25 years since the message of the cross was revealed uh, as we preach it and teach it at SBN to Brother Swigert. I was there that day on the radio station when the understanding, or at least the beginning of the understanding of the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus was preached. And from that day to this, we have done our best to try to proclaim that freedom from sin can only come through faith in Christ and what he has done. There is not a dozen roads to freedom. There's not a dozen roads to freedom from the penalty of sin. And there's not a dozen roads to freedom from the power of sin. There's only one. Amen, Brother Larson. Preach on, Brother Lars. <laughs> Teach it, brother. There's only one route to freedom from sin. There's only one route from freedom from law and righteousness through self-effort. And that is through faith in Christ. 
Our faith must be in who he is, the Son of God, who loved us and gave himself for us, died on Calvary for us. But with that revelation, we have to understand that with every event in our life, God begins something. With every insight that he gives you, if you're a believer, insight to Scripture should not be strange to you. You should have a time every day where you sit down and uh, open up the Word of God and let it speak to your heart, a time when you pray. You should have that designed for yourself, each and every one of us. And over and over and over again, uh, the Word of God will speak to you. It'll jump off the page. It'll meet the need of your heart. It'll meet the need of your life because it's a living Word. It's not a dead Word written by men. It's a living Word written by inspiration of God. God. It is profitable for us. But every time God shows you something, he didn't just show you something so you could go, whoop, I know something now. Whoop, I know something now. Even though it is for our knowledge, but knowledge and revelation and insight is supposed to take us somewhere. Salvation was the most wonderful thing that could ever happen in the heart and life of a human being. Accepting Christ, being changed by the power of God, having your sins forgiven, knowing that your name is written down in the Lamb's book of life, and that freedom and peace that comes as a result of knowing that God has accepted you. We have access by faith into grace whereby we stand Nothing's more important than that event, but that event should take you somewhere. Be, uh, 30 years later, we shouldn't just be going, I got saved 30 years ago, and stop there. The baptism with the Holy Spirit is important as it is for the service aspect of the kingdom. The power that can initiate and flow through believers who've been spirit-filled and who are filled with the spirit and spirit-led can't be can't be overstated but at the same point in time the baptism with the holy spirit is an event that ought to take you somewhere it's not a goal it's a gateway and the message of the cross is just that it is a opening up to something that we need to see. Now let's take a look at it. Paul says here, for brethren, you have been called unto liberty. Now I want to talk to you about that tonight. We have to understand that we have been called into liberty. And in Galatians, most of you are Bible students, you understand uh, the context of this verse, but let me just lay it out to bring your pure minds into remembrance. Paul, in his first missionary journey, established the churches in the Galatian region, southern Galatia, where I believe it was actually there. And it wasn't just one church, it was a series of churches. And everywhere he went, he preached the gospel, that faith in Christ would save Jew and Gentile alike. And that faith and grace was the means by which we entered the kingdom, and that faith and grace was the means by which we addressed the growth that we need while we are partakers of the kingdom. And the people received his word with great joy. But right on his heels, following after him, was the people of religion. Isn't that always true? Uh, religion tries to come along and steal the liberty that we have in Christ Jesus. And they followed on the heels of Paul. We call them Judaizers today. I think Paul just called them stinkers. But uh, we call them Judaizers today because they wanted the people to be circumcised and follow the law of Moses. Uh, they didn't understand that there had been a freedom granted from the Mosaic law. They didn't understand that the authority and responsibility to the Mosaic law no longer existed, that we had a new covenant that was actually one that was joining us to Christ, not to Moses. And so Paul had to write the whole book of Galatians, and, and, and you can read the first chapter where he says very plainly, I marvel that you are so soon removed from him that called you under the grace 
of Christ unto another gospel. And so the whole book of Galatians, and I can't go through the whole book for you, but is that dissertation of Paul writing to the churches in Galatia and saying, don't give in to religion. Stay in the liberty that you've been given. He starts chapter 5 out with, stand fast in the liberty wherewith Christ hath made us free. So you and I have to agree tonight there's a liberty that we have been granted. There is a great liberty that we have been granted. Well, what is that liberty? I'm glad you asked. You need to understand, first of all tonight, what you've been set free from. If you're going to stand in liberty, you have to know what you've been liberated from. Can I get an amen? Amen. The Bible tells us that at salvation, the believer is united with Christ, made one with Christ, and as a result of that, is literally crucified with Christ, buried with Christ, and raised up with him to live in him from a new source of life, that source of life being the Holy Spirit. And in that union, Paul teaches us in Romans chapter 6, that while we were united with Christ, not only was the debt of sin paid, you're freed from the debt of sin. You're freed from the penalty of sin. Your sins aren't just covered, your sins have been taken away. That's why the Holy Spirit could then take up residence within you and live in you. And the Holy Spirit lives inside of every truly born-again believer. You, 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 you have to start that way. You have freedom from the penalty of sin. God sees you as holy and righteous, declares you innocent of all charges, and you are freed from the penalty of a sin as a result of your union with Christ. You have liberty from the penalty of sin, but... But not just that. You have liberty from the power of indwelling sin. You have power over the indwelling sin, the sin nature that lives in every single human being. Now, once you're born again, the sin nature isn't eliminated, but the power that it once had over you, dominating you, driving you to move against God, contrary to God, moving you towards selfishness, that dominion that was living in you like uh, the king on the throne of your heart, that dominion was removed and a new king was introduced. I said a new king was introduced. So listen, the message of the cross teaches us that the power of sin, the penalty of sin, were taken care of for us as a result of our union with Christ. So now I am freed from the power and the penalty of sin. Do you know that you're free tonight? I said, do you know that you're free tonight? Not as a result of going to church, not as a result of reading the Bible, not as a result of praising the Lord, not as a result of any other item in your life, but the fact that you have been united with Christ, crucified with him, buried with so you're freed from the power of sin. And when sin shows its ugly head in other people, (laughs) that teaches us that we, you and I, and I'm being facetious, as you know, because even though dominion of sin has been granted, uh, dominion over sin has been granted, we still fail God. Now, I'm going to just stand right here until all of you agree with me. The one thing we can't afford to be is religious. And that brings about confusion. That can cause great concern, and it should, because if you're a born-again believer, truly born again, you don't want to fail God. You don't want to fall short of the glory of God. It bothers you. But what you must not do is gain gain access or freedom from that sin that you've just committed through some other process outside of faith in Christ. 
Faith in Christ is what's initiating you into the kingdom, and faith in Christ is what keeps you in the kingdom. Faith in who Jesus is and what he did for you at Calvary releases the power of the Holy Spirit. So when we fail, we must not say, oh, the cross doesn't, doesn't work. We must not say, oh, Jesus didn't defeat the power of indwelling sin. We must not say that the sin nature no longer is existing. We say, Lord, I'm still in the learning process, and I present my myself to you as someone that needs some help up in here. But what we don't do is run away to law because we've been set at liberty. What we don't do is run to a set of Pentecostal rules or Baptist rules or Lutheran rules or Catholic rules because only Jesus rules. And I've been united with him, thus I've been liberated from the power and dominion of sin. And I'm learning, see, that's the message of the cross. I'm learning how that should be applied in every aspect of my life. Not just to sin, but to relationships. I mean, we look holy. Secondly, not only have we been freed from the dominion of the sin nature, but you have been d delivered and set free from the authority and responsibility of the Mosaic Law. Now that may not sound like much, but in Romans chapter 7 and verse 1, the Bible teaches us that the law, and in particular here, Paul was teaching the church in Rome about the Mosaic Law, the law hath dominion over a man as long as he lives. All men are born, ladies too, all men are born under law. What do I mean by that? If you died without accepting Christ, there would come a point in time in which you would stand before God in the great white throne judgment and your works would be judged. And it would be judged by the word of God, by the law of God. And if you had one infraction from the time you were born to the time your life ended, then you would be qualified for eternal existence outside of God's presence. That's hell. One infraction. Just one. The law has dominion over a man as long as he lives. But Paul teaches us another truth about being joined to Christ. And that's this, that when we were joined to Christ and crucified with Christ, that death that we experienced in Christ freed us from the law of Moses. Death changes relationships. Paul said in Romans 7, 2, and 3, the example of a woman who was married and said she's bound to, by the law to her husband. Now, he didn't shift from sanctification to marriage and family. He's just moving through the processes of teaching us we've been freed from the dominion of law because death changes relationships. And he said that if she was in fact married, that she was by law held to accountability to relationship with her husband. But if her husband died, then she would be freed from the authority and dominion of her husband because death changes relationships. And then he went on to say in chapter 7 and verse 3, he said, now if she, this same woman, but different scene, she's married and her husband is alive, and she sees another individual and she says, oh, 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 oh. let's call her Sally, and she's married to Mo, and all of a sudden Sally sees Joe, and no more Mo, we want Joe. But... 
I'm not going to get rid of Mo because Mo was my, you know, he's, I still like Mo. I got some use for Mo. So I'm going to stay married to Mo and I'm going to marry Joe. And now I'm going to be Mo Joe and Mo Joe. <laughs> now we're laughing, but that's the illustration that he gave because you can't do that. If you do that, you're, a, you're an adulteress. She would be an adulteress. But if Mo passed away, then she would be free to marry Joe. It would be legitimate. It would be right. It would be real. And in verse 4 of chapter 7, Paul teaches us that we have become dead to the law by the body of Christ. The law was our first spouse. And the only way to be freed from that was death, because death changes relationships. But when you were united with Christ, became one with him, you, you were crucified with him, there was a death. And the Bible says in Romans chapter 7 and verse 4, My brethren, you also are become dead to the law by the body of Christ, that you should be married to another. Mo's gone, Joe's here, law's gone, Christ is here. And it's legitimate, you've been set free from authority and responsibility to the Mosaic law because of your union with Christ that took place when you were saved, baptized into Christ, and crucified with him, buried with him, raised up with him to live in him from a new source of power. Now you're not married to Mo, you're married to Joe, you're not married to law, you're married to Christ. He said you were dead to the law by the body of Christ, that you should be married to another, even to him who is raised from the dead, just in case you weren't sure who Paul was talking about. That's Christ Jesus. Why? That we should bring forth fruit unto God. The only way that the believer is truly going to bring forth fruit unto God is not when you join yourself to law. It's when you join yourself to Christ. And your faith is in Him. And your faith is in what He's done. And now the Spirit of God begins to bring forth the fruit that neither you or I can produce. So I've been called unto liberty. I'm set free from the law of Moses. Now, for us Gentiles, that's not a difficult thing, but for Jews that had served the law for 1,600 years, that might be a difficult pill to swallow, and it was. And you have to understand what the purpose of the law was. It was to define to people, for the first time, the nature and character of God. He'd never revealed himself to a people before he gave his law on Sinai. And everything in it was given as a type and a shadow and as a form to very, and I'll say it this way, very immature spiritual people. He couldn't tell them the end game because they couldn't have reached it and they wouldn't have understood it. It's kind of like dealing with a kid who wants to run out into the street that's a busy street in front of your house. And you just lay down the law. They're four or five years old. And you say, you do not go out into the street. But, but no, no, you don't go. Under no circumstance are you to run out into the street. And you teach them the form of not running out into the street. You don't play with that. They're five years old. They run out in the street, they're going to die. And God looked at his people and gave them laws with that same thought process in mind. Don't do this. 
And he gave them laws so that they would know how to treat each other and how to worship him. He gave them a temple and gave them a priest and gave them uh, accoutrements of worship. And all of it was type and shadow to very immature spiritual people. Because while they were God's covenant people, they weren't born again like you and I were. And the Spirit of God didn't live inside of them. So law and form was all that they could have. But the law and the form pointed to something. Every sacrifice and under the law pointed to Christ and what he would do at Calvary. Everyone. The high priest that existed in Israel was the one that interceded for God's people and would go in every year and offer sacrifice for the people. They'd be good to go for another year. But our high priest, which the type and the form pointed to, was Christ. And he's a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. And that means that he's never going to be replaced. He doesn't have to be. He's a great high priest. He doesn't have to offer up sacrifice year after year. But are you getting what I'm saying? The type pointed to the reality. God introduced the law so so to drive men to Christ. And the law was, Galatians 3.19, until the seed should come. Until... And Jesus is the seed. And when he came, he completed the law in the sense of fulfilling it, taking it from its form to its purpose. Are you, are you following? Am I boring you? You okay? So why would we go back to form when we have fulfillment in Christ? Why would we back, go back to food laws when we have fulfillment in Christ? Why would we go back to circumcision when we have circumcision of the heart? Why would we? Paul said, you've been given liberty. You've been freed from the law. And right away people go, oh, well, how are we going to live right if we don't have law? How, 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 how are we going to live right? Now, this is where things get a little bit confusing. Because the old covenant law, much of it was fulfilled and never needs to be seen or repeated again. But some things in the law carried over into the new covenant. Okay, you're looking at me like a calf at a new gate. Paul said... In 1 Corinthians or 2 Corinthians, come out from among them and be ye separate. That is a quote from Leviticus. So if Paul quotes from Leviticus that we're supposed to be a separated people, does that mean that we're under the Mosaic law? Or does that mean that one aspect of the old covenant is now carried into the new? It means that something that shouldn't surprise you because the character and nature of God has never changed. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And so the character of God that he was trying to show to spiritually immature people through form is now granted to give to us with eyes wide open what the fulfillment is. It's leading us somewhere. And so Paul never degrades the law, but at the same point in time, he says you're not under the law. Why? Here's why. Because the Holy Spirit under the new covenant has also moved inside and starts to guide you and lead you as to what is right and what is wrong. The very minute you get saved, he begins to lead you. And today we have the scriptures that tell us what's right and wrong. Let me give it to you this way. If you see it in the New Testament as something that is a moral ethic, that's your responsibility. Thank you for listening to Power of the Cross Radio. If you are enjoying the sermon you are hearing, we need your help. We do not sell any advertising on this station. You will not hear any third-party ads. This radio ministry operates by donations only. 
So, we need your prayers and financial gifts to keep bringing Christ and Him crucified to the world. Let God use you to keep Power of the Cross Radio going around the globe. Go right now to www.cross.radio and click on how you can help. There you can donate by secure means. Thanks again for listening and may God bless you. Now, back to the message. Oh, I wish you'd just go back and preach the message of the cross. I am preaching the message of the cross. Because with great liberty comes great responsibility. If you really understand freedom from the law, it doesn't mean freedom from morality. It means that you've stepped from the form given to spiritually immature people into the reality of what God intended. And this is for adulthood. This is for adults. This is for those who learn how to rely upon the power of the Holy Spirit to produce in us what we could never produce under law. God didn't change his mind about what was right or wrong, but under the new covenant and through Christ and because of the cross, you and I have the opportunity to experience holiness outside of rules. This is holiness from the heart. This is holiness that comes as a result of your union with Christ, as a result of your faith in Christ, each of you that has known the message of the cross, and again, as I said, we've been preaching it for 25 years, it should be moving you to a deeper walk with God and a deeper sense of what is right and what is wrong. There's things that you're not doing this year that you did last year because now you see they're not profitable for you. Not because you're under law, not because you're religious and better than other people, but because your relationship with, you're married to Jesus and you're being sensitive to what your marriage partner does not like. Guys, I don't know about you, but I've had a few days where things were difficult in my house because I didn't understand what my partner wanted. And yes, my partner is a wife and a female. I'm just, I'm just making sure you get it. That's right. But there's been a few days where things were a little bit tight around the Larson house because the big dummy in front of you didn't get what his wife wanted. And I want to do what she wants. Because that's my wife. I'm married to her. I'm committed to her. Just like you've been married to Christ. You don't have to do that. It ought to come from a heart that is softened by relationship and experience with this wonderful, beautiful Christ that we've been joined to that loves me and gave himself for me. And he just asks me to act this way. And so that's why. And when I don't have the wherewithal, which I don't, to become what he wants me to become, the Holy Spirit that he gave me helps my infirmities. He quickens my mortal body. He moves me out of the things that are displeasing to the one that I've been joined to. I'm not under law. I'm in relationship. And as the song goes, it gets sweeter. As the days go by, I, I appreciate him more. But if you understand the message of the cross and you leave the form behind and you start walking into the reality of relationship, you ought to be changing. And not just standing behind the pulpit and saying, we preach the cross, we preach the cross, we preach the cross, we preach the cross. You know what? I might come and preach to you tomorrow night and not even mention the cross. Does that mean I'm not a cross preacher? Absolutely not. But I promise you I'm going to talk about Christ. And to me, if I talk about Christ, I'm talking about who he is and what he's done. It's not, I don't have to say it 
just to please you. So the message of the cross should have been taking us into this new process, this adulthood, this spiritual maturing process. 25 years. We shouldn't be diapered any longer. With the old diaper pins, you know, well, I guess they just have pamp. I get, we just have pampers now, but you get pampers that said, I preach the cross. Great. I'd like to see you out of your diapers and living, living not under law, but under the life that Christ brings. You have liberty, but that liberty is not to allow you. Look what he says. Only use not liberty for an occasion or an indulgence of the flesh. Whoop, I'm not under law. Woohoo! Flesh is a very difficult term to define. A lot of arguments about flesh. But let me just make it simple. Flesh is man minus God. What we are minus God. What we are minus God is a real mess. Just you and me minus God. What you and I can do, what you and I can think, what you and I can manufacture, what we can provide for ourselves, what we can do with our own life. No wonder the proverb says, lean not to your own understanding. But flesh calls to us because that's what we live in. That's what we live in. You all came into church tonight in the flesh. Amen. Because that's what we live in. And the clinging vines of the fall that exist in all of us are different. But flesh will primarily take you two different directions that you don't want to go. Indulgence of the flesh or giving in to the flesh. Number one, the first aspect, which is probably the easiest to recognize, is just something that's contrary to God. Even as a believer that loves God, every now and then you'll find yourself desiring something that the Holy Spirit doesn't want you to want. I'm going to just stand here till you agree with me. It's my service. I can do what I... <laughs> Pastor might not ever ask me back. Again, it's flesh. Flesh is not the sin nature. Sin nature is dormant or idle, but sin nature has affected me. And me minus God sometimes wants something. Well, I'll, I'll, I'll watch that show. It's funny. Well, I, I like that show. And Every third word is an F-bomb. <laughs> oh, well, I just like action flicks, so I'm going to... And you put up with something that the Holy Spirit doesn't want you to put up with. Yeah, it's a good love story, but... Okay, I'm... <laughs> Bumping bellies isn't going to help your lust problem. And watching that is not going to help you. And the Holy Spirit will be going. I mean, I used to think Hallmark Christmas programs were pretty safe. But uh, these days, Jeff and Jerry are getting married. See, come out from among them and be separate still applies to you and I, don't join yourself. To, he, he didn't give you food laws. Did you know that the food laws were to create a separate people? But now he's placed the Holy Spirit in you so that when flesh wants to go one way, you can say, Lord, I need some help. 
And as we grow in the message of the cross and as we grow in sensitivity to the things of God, we should be finding those things in our lives and saying, well, I like that, but I know that that's not profitable. I like that, but that's not good for me. I'm getting a whole lot of shifting feet about right now. That's flesh sure as the world. And let me tell you, one of the things that I've recognized in myself and as well as in the church, as iniquity abounds around us, our values are easily dropped. And we must not. Come out from among them and be separate. And you're not under law, but yet you have a responsibility to please Christ. So whatever you watch, he watches. Whatever you listen, he listens to. Whatever. Okay. Uh, I tell my students this in the Bible college. Here's a litmus test for you. If you're going to watch something, you go on Netflix or you go to Redbox or you stream this or stream that, don't get it unless you'd like to invite Brother Swigert to sit down and watch the movie with you. <laughs> because if you right away will say, oops, if Pastor was here, I wouldn't be watching that. But yet the Holy Spirit lives in you. This isn't law. This is responsibility to the one that you've been joined to. And flesh wants to have its way. So Paul says, you've been called to liberty, but not to the indulgences of the flesh. And the other side of flesh that comes into play for us is the desire to be religious. To come up with another means and another way to have a relationship with God outside of faith and grace. To embrace a list of rules or programs or processes that man has provided for us. We've been called to liberty to be joined to Christ. But not as an occasion to the flesh. Aren't you glad I didn't do more than two verses? Are you using your liberty properly? You have liberty. We were shouting. Oh, I'm set free from the penalty and the power of sin. Hallelujah. And I've been set free from law. Hallelujah. Glory. Well, are you using your liberty correctly? Are you moving in the direction that Paul says we must move. Well, here's the litmus test, and I'm almost done. In verse 14, Paul says this, But by love serve one another. For all the laws fulfilled in one word even in this, that thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. Now, love is the premier fruit of the Holy Spirit. And one of the highest attributes noted to God. And if you're his child, if you're his child... You should look like dad. We ought to notice that the way you deal with human beings, saved and lost, looks a whole lot like the way that Jesus dealt with. Because Jesus was the perfect example. He said, when you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Now, Let's get this process down. I'm preaching to you, so hang in there just a few more minutes. This love that is God-like, agape God kind of love, is not something flesh can produce. And I'd rather that you fake it till you make it, but some Christians don't even fake it. Listen. 
but what we should be experiencing as we experience the moving and operation of the Holy Spirit because our faith is in Christ and what he did, what we should be is not separating into our own little cliques, but driven by the love of God to reach to people that don't know him. The love of God, again, is the fruit of the Spirit. None of the fruit of the Spirit is something that you and I can produce. Love is just the highest expression of it. So you can take a look at all of the fruit of the Spirit that Paul gives in Galatians 5 and say, I need to look like that. But I don't in some areas. Now, I I don't want to beat you up to where you don't come back tomorrow night, but the whole process that I'm challenging you in is if you really know the message of the cross, the fruit of the Spirit ought to be growing in your life. Here a little, there a little. Line upon line, precept upon precept, here a little, there a little. You ought to be growing closer to Christ. If you are using the liberty that you've been given, liberty from sin, liberty from law, it should move you into a more Christ-like attitude and action, and we ought to see Christ in you. We ought to see Christ in me in a greater measure than ever before. God didn't give us the message of the cross so that we could create a little schism in the body of Christ and scream at everybody that doesn't understand it or hasn't heard it. (laughs) That's not how he gave it to me. In fact, most people that truly understand the message of the cross didn't receive it because they were spiritually elite. It was because they were spiritually desperate. And we hadn't figured out how to live for God and flesh just kept making fools of us and we didn't want that. We weren't hypocrites. We love God. Because with revelation comes responsibility. To whom much is given Much is required. So if you really understand what's being taught and what's being preached, then it's not just a mantra. It's not just a bumper sticker. It's not just a a, a group of people that are better than other people. It's people that understand their need and have learned and are learning to rely upon Christ to help him make them more and more Christ-like. And that's best evidence when we love God with all of our heart, mind, soul, and strength. And we love our neighbor as much as we love ourselves. So I challenge you tonight. What are you doing with your liberty? You've been set free from sin. You've been set free from law. What are, you, what are you doing with the understanding that's been granted to you if you have grasped it with faith and grace? What are you doing with what's happening in your life with the right object of faith being the centerpiece of your Christian experience? Is he changing you? Are you letting that change happen or are you just boasting on a revelation and an experience that you've had? Let me tell you something tonight. There's not one sin in your life, not one unchristlike attitude or action that you can't be set free from. Amen. But you have to go Christ's way. You're not married to the law. You're married to Christ. And he not only desires for us to be his people that are holy and righteous and separated and empowered by the Holy Spirit to be changed and to share the gospel, 
to come into a place like this and listen to music that's spirit-filled and joy fill our heart. We all felt it. We all sensed it. Now I preached it right out of you, but you got to know something. We need to improve and make it a responsibility, not condemnation. There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus. But as well, I bring to you the words of the Apostle Paul as I close. I have not yet apprehended. I have not yet attained. But this one thing I do with the knowledge of how to live for God, I press just a little closer to the one who loved me and gave himself for me. I depend just a little more on the one who loved me and gave himself for me so that I might not fail to utilize the liberty that I've been given and that I might not fail to take on the responsibility of being changed into his image to love God with all of my heart and to love my neighbor as myself. That's where the message of the cross has to go. Otherwise, it's all for nothing. And I haven't preached this for 25 years to let us sink into normalism and just make it another sect of religion. God didn't take Brother Swigert through what he took him through. And he didn't take you what he's taken you through to let you stop short of looking like Jesus. Amen? Amen. Amen. Now, I sure didn't mean to make you sad. (laughs) And I might have made you mad. But I'm here to tell you, he's a good God. And he's ready to change us if we're ready to be changed. Amen? With liberty comes responsibility. This brings us to the end of this message, and we hope it has been a blessing to you. Be sure to come back often for more great sermons and commercial-free Christian music streamed 24 hours a day. If you need someone to pray with you, we have a prayer wall at Power of the Cross Radio website. You can leave your request there and also help others pray for their needs. We also offer live prayer periodically throughout the day as intercessors are available. Just click on the talk icon at the bottom right of any page. If someone is available, you can chat live or leave your message if no one is available. Thank you for joining us today, and may God bless you. Power of the Cross Radio is a production of Cross Faith Ministries.